Welcome into a brand new episode of Bottom Line Baseball. I'm Alex Fuse, Jackson Ryan with me, and we have another big show planned out for all of you today. We got a lot of baseball news to get into and talk about. Not exactly a lot of news, but some interesting topics that we can talk about as we're, we're approaching the very start of this Major League Baseball 2021 season. Yeah, just right around the corner on April 1st, they'll be here and Minor League Baseball will be starting up May 6th. So we'll have all the Minor League free agents and Minor League players coming in the spring training in a couple weeks. So exciting mm -hmm. times for sure. I think the biggest news, noteworthy news that we should know at, the, at this point in the podcast is the Salvador Perez contract extension. It's been reported on a few times in the last few weeks and months. The Royals finally came to an agreement with Salvador Perez. Uh, Alec Lewis of The Athletic and Ken Rosenthal were on it, and then John Heyman was on it as well from MLB Network. So Salvador Perez, four years, $82 million. Look, the thing is, my whole opinion, and we'll get into what your take is on this, is mine is simply you got to pay for great players, and that's what the Royals are doing with Salvador Perez here. Yeah, I think, you know, there's not as much great catching out there anymore. You got Yair Molina, who's been there forever, future Hall of Famer. You have uh, a couple other guys out there, but there's not a lot of great catching in farm systems. And so for the Kansas City Royals, they signed a guy that they know and they trust, and he's going to help them with their young pitching staff, with their four young starters coming up, and two of them that have already been in the big leagues and mm -hmm. Bubich and uh, Singer. And so, yeah, it's going to help them out for sure. And that's the thing, right? Like, you're not going to go out and – Get a young catcher. Like, there are no Salvador Perez in the game right now that you can go out there and sign, especially this upcoming year in free agency. So, would you have liked it to be a little less on the money side? Yes, you would have. But the Royals and Dayton have that great relationship with Perez, and Perez has just – he's their guy, right? Like, he's their face of the franchise now that Gordo's gone. So, it just makes sense. Um, he's the the – highest paid player in Kansas City Royals history and I think he fits the best category to be that guy to be the new face of the franchise yeah and he's that last piece you know of that 2015 world championship I know they still have Wade Davis and Greg Holland there but um, you know the main core four pieces and so you know they're trying to build another championship window coming up very soon with Bobby Wood Jr. coming up a couple other guys in their system and so, you know, you want guys like veteran guys to be around to help you get those younger guys out to play to the best of their ability. Now, you mentioned Bobby Witt Jr., Ken Rosenthal, the athletic partnered with Alec Lewis. Big day for Royals news, I guess. Don't worry, it's not a Royals podcast. It's just they've been to seem be the only team to make the headlines consistently the last five months. I mean, even throughout the offseason, when the offseason seemed to be quiet, the Royals are red hot all throughout the offseason. So it's not a Royals podcast, but this was the biggest news out of the day. Uh, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, along with Alec Lewis, reported that Bobby Wood Jr. being demoted and will not begin the 2021 season at the major league level. He'll spend a month with the minor league camps and then most likely start at double A to start the 2021 season. Not really surprising news. I know there was some pushback from fans saying that they're playing the service role uh, manipulation, but I, I don't think you can buy into that because he's only played 37 games in a rookie league affiliate. And 
I, I would bet you that the same people that are saying that, Jackson, are the same people that say for other people that spring training uh, doesn't count or that spring training is just spring training and it doesn't relate to the regular season. So he's had a phenomenal spring training. If he hit 30 home runs in spring training, I don't think that would have got him a call up to the major league level to start. Well, and, you know, people may not like it, but service time is a big deal for the MLB teams. You know, so if you're a Kansas City Royals fan, do you want – an extra two months, or do you want an extra year of Bobby Witt Jr. under your control? Yes, you may go out and sign him to a free agent contract, but Kansas City doesn't have the money that other teams have. And mm-hmm. so they need to do the best they can to maximize that service time as much as possible. And Bobby Witt Jr., like we talked about last week, is a candidate that could skip Omaha at AAA and go straight from AA to the big leagues. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes from AA to the big leagues by June, July time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think this will be the year we see a Bobby Wood Jr. debut. And then also, like, what if you put Bobby on the Major League roster? And not saying that he isn't ready, but, like, what if he does struggle? Now you have to, now you have to have that discussion, right, of, oh, should the Royals, because now you're losing, right, that year um, of control. So now it's like, do the Royals, do the Royals hurt themselves? And I honestly don't think that even really went into consideration here because the Kansas City Royals don't have a history of service time manipulation. They're the complete opposite. Yeah, Brady Singer, for instance. Last right. year they brought him up when you know exactly. they weren't winning you know a championship last year, and they brought him up because he was worthy of that call up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Dayton Moore does a tremendous job, obviously, with building championship level teams. He's one in 2015, 2014, they were 90 feet away, Go, you know, back in the day. And so they've done things to help their organization and to help their players succeed in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't think – I know the there's people out there saying that there is, and I, I think they're just kind of following what the Mariners, what happened with that. But I don't see it here. It just doesn't make sense, but it makes a lot of sense at the same time. Um, so – that's the Kansas City Royals news. I, I mean, surprising? I don't think so. I think it's a great job by them to get the four years of control of Salvador Perez to be that guy behind the plate. And uh, he was a comeback player of the year even before he got hurt with his eyes. He won the comeback player of the year in the, for the Kansas City Royals. And I said it last time, and I'll say it again, I'm excited to see a full year of Salvador Perez. He's only 30. And also it helps Cam Gallagher as well. They're, yeah. big, they're big on Cam and what he can do with that uh, pitching staff and what he can do behind the plate. And so to, for him to be able to learn from Salvador even a couple mm-hmm. more years will only help Cam get better. Right. And I'm sure as because, yes, they love Perez as a catcher, but they also love him as a bat. So eventually what you'll start to see is maybe him transition into that more DH role, and then you'll see a Cam Gallagher kind of step in behind the plate. And AL Central's really loaded too. Don't forget Detroit's coming up with their prospects, with their – pitching you've got Chicago White Sox that are on the cusp of doing something this year possibly you've got Minnesota who's been in the playoffs for a long time and also Cleveland yes they've got rid of Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco but don't sleep on Cleveland either mm-hmm. um, so I guess the other somewhat newsworthy that came out today was in Anaheim where Shohei Otani started the game and for the first time let off the lineup and it, there was some word in Angels camp uh, that they're testing it out now to see what the reaction was, to see how it went, was it successful or not. And this might be an option that they might go for to start the season. 
I'm a fan. We'll just have to see how it goes, you know, with Shohei Otani. you got to think about how is he going to recover from pitching, you know, as well. Because you want his bat in the lineup. Me, personally, I'm surprised he's not starting opening day. They went with Dylan Bundy instead. I imagine he'll start game two or game three for them. But he's also a bigger bat in that lineup, and the Angels need Shohei Otani if they're going to do something this year. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I think I'm a huge fan of Otani. Uh, again, it's how much can you buy into spring training and statistics level, I don't think you can, but the game is the best evaluator when it comes to these things. And Otani has outseeded uh, um, expectations, I think, this spring. And I, I think it's going to be exciting to see what Otani can do. And it should be definitely interesting to see how the Angels use him, both in the rotation and potentially in the lineup. I mean, pitchers in the National League pitch and hit the same time so is it really that different no but i think eventually we're going to see a universal dh in my personal opinion yeah we'll see that just because you don't want pitchers getting hurt that are your number ones number two running the bases or trying to hit or trying to bunt like we saw max scherzer you know try to bunt hit it off his eye and just uh almost slipped up on the base pass the other day and david ross quoted saying i almost threw up in my mouth uh just watching him take a, a nasty turn on the bases so you see it now, but. And it always goes back to, like I've said a hundred times on this show, it always goes back to starting pitching and relief pitching. If you have dominance in both, you're going to be very successful. And also you need to have really good defense because mm-hmm. pitching and defense wins championships. Right. I mean, not to bring up the Royals again, but I mean, that why did they win in 2015? The defense and the oh, pitching. And they got timely hitting. You always right. get the timely hitting and in the postseason, and if you get those key hits, you're going to win. Mm-hmm. And especially, I mean, that bullpen, right? And it almost seems like we don't even talk about bullpens anymore. Um, uh, and the construction of bullpens is sort of like, it's almost like every team someone has a, a sneaky good bullpen, except, I mean, maybe Boston. But I think they're going to be sneaky good this year, too. I'm really high on the Red Sox, to be completely honest with you. I, I think they have a shot to be a, a little bit potent if you look at that lineup. Uh, and I, I think, I mean, especially Chicago, the Cubs, I, I think they can also be sneaky good uh, this well, year. The NL Central, too, is a winnable division. You know, there's no teams that really stand up, stand out ahead of other teams. You know, yes, the Cardinals made the trade for Arenado, but how are they going to bounce back after last year? Um, you know, in the year before, they lost in four straight to Washington mm-hmm. when Washington won the World Series. And so, you know, it's going to be a very interesting division, but I think you have three teams that are really competing in that division, and then you have a couple others behind them. Yeah, no, I, and then just in general, I think there's just that excitement, and I'm interested to see um, with the Cubs and Jock Peterson, um, with him getting everyday outfield reps, and, and for him to be in the lineup every single night, he'll be in that role in Chicago this year, I'm really high on, on Jock Peterson and what, I mean, he's looked fantastic this spring. Um, and I, I'm intrigued to see how that Cubs team performs. And then especially with the Jake Arrieta back there too. And how can, how does he look? He's back home, back with that world series championship team. Um, and they still have a little, some pieces with that championship team in Chicago. Yeah. And the Cubs need, if they're going to compete, they need to get off to a good start because if not, then I think they'd be sellers where they would sell off Chris Bryant and maybe yeah. even Anthony Rizzo. 
but talking about Jake Arrieta, he has that relationship with David Ross because he, you know, David Ross mm-hmm. used to catch him. And so, yeah, I think it could be a good fit for the, for the Cubs, but they've got to get off to a good start. If they're going to do something this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, there's just so much excitement around. Um, and then also what we can get into a little bit about is Francisco Lindor, um, John Heyman. Let me pull up the John Heyman tweet. He did. There is some sort of form of notes on uh, Francisco Lindor. Um, again, there's some rumors going around that there are some talks about him and a contract extension with the New York Mets. And that's a big deal um, if the Mets are able to get him or not. Um, so Lindor, this is from John Heyman from MLB Network. Uh, Heyman tweeted, Lindor is said to be looking for more than 300 million dollars so it's unclear how he'll respond um, but it's certainly reason for some optimism that the Mets are willing to hit that number we'll see if it turns out to be a magic number Lindor was offered and turned down 200 million plus a year ago by the Indians so just by waiting he's going to improve by up to 100 million or possibly even more so um, if the Mets get them, I, I think if the Mets don't get them, right, like that trade that they did is, is a, a big loss, right? Like it should have been like a – like if the Dodgers get Mookie bets, right, and then they don't get an extension from Mookie, that trade hurts. But I, I think, too, maybe from a GM perspective, you would go and – contact the agent and say hey we're you know we're gonna make this trade and possibly we want to extend you you know because like you've said Alex and you're correct you do not want to lose Francisco Lindor after one year and if you do that it's a really bad trade because then Mm -hmm. who's your shortstop coming up Mm -hmm. well and I'm sure that's what what Steve Cohen said right like we want the shortstop especially in that shortstop class and we'll see what how good the Mets are remember the San Diego Padres from back in 2000 I think it was 14 when they signed Matt Kemp and a couple others and, you know, or Craig Kimbrell and it didn't work out for them. So we'll see the Mets are like that or if they're really good, because I feel like it's either going to be one or two ways. Look, I, I think you can also make the case for the New York Yankees in that category when they signed Brian McCann and Carlos Beltran and they brought in Tanaka and they got these pieces right. And they spent a boatload of money and it got them to what? The wild card the first year and then the American League divisional series and then they finally pushed the championship series back in 2017 but they spent that money and McCann's contract was already gone because he was in Houston at that point so it's like they had some pieces of the boatload of money but the last time that a team kind of went out out there was the 2009 Yankees when they brought in CeCe Sabathia and AJ Burnett and those guys Teixeira right and they got the extension on A-Rod like that was the last time that a boatload of money actually went into a World Series championship I guess it now Dodgers, right? Like you can make that case, Mookie extension. Now a Bauer brought in, right? Like the Dodgers are kind of putting their money in play per se. That's actually winning them a championship. Yeah, and with a new ownership too, obviously the Mets are going to be extremely busy and, you know, want to sign as many people as they can in mm-hmm. free agency. And, and I'm surprised that Trevor Bauer really didn't sign there when instead going to the Dodgers. But in reality, it's going to be interesting to see how well the Mets do and mm-hmm. if they're that 500 club because they haven't been really good since 2015 when Daniel Murphy went off. 
in, in that whole playoff when they ended up losing losing to the Royals. Mm-hmm. You brought up ownership, and it just hit. We don't have this ran down for the topics today, but LeBron James, now part owner of the Boston Red Sox in the Fenway Sports Group. Yeah, interesting. I wonder how much he's going to be really involved, though, or if it's just a, hey, I have a bunch of money and I just want to put it in with a big-time organization type of thing, or if he's really going to be invested. It would be interesting to see how that works, and you know, we'll see what how it goes. Do you think – so we got LeBron James, a part of the Red Sox. We have Patrick Mahomes, part of Kansas City, two of the biggest stars in the NBA and the NFL coming involved with Major League Baseball. Do you think – those involvements at the higher level can increase excitement at, at, at the major league level in baseball? No, I really don't think so because they're kind of two, three different sports, right? The NBA is more star level. Like when I mean star level, like you usually have one guy that's centered around the whole team and sometimes two. And then with the NFL, you really got to have a star quarterback to do, do well and really have a good defense. And so, I think it's more of the name recognition of, hey, I'm a part of the organization. Now I'm part of the ownership. But I really don't know if that attracts fans. And I could be wrong, but I don't think it really does. So, like, but do you think like it could also just help, right, baseball, that they have these different figures? Because it feels like maybe I could be wrong here, but maybe there's just that belief, right, 10 years ago where, there's the NFL, there's the NHL, there's the NBA, there's Major League Baseball, and they're all four completely different things. But now you kind of have the mixture, right? Like LeBron getting involved with Major League Baseball, and then you got Pat Mahomes getting involved with Major League Baseball. So now we got to get like this cross-branded stuff. Um, like Pat Mahomes was at Royal Spring Training Camp, and he's taking photos and stuff like that. So um, – but, Does that bring the excitement? But you've kind of seen Russell Wilson too, you know, with the Rangers and the Yankees be at spring yeah. training, take a couple of yeah. bats, take some ground balls with the team, and you know, really Tim not Tebow, same right? Type of deal. But actually, Tim Tebow went on to go play, yeah, you know, two seasons, and he did all right for himself. You know, he did did better than I thought, Tim mm-hmm. Tim Tebow. Yeah, I mean, uh, you give it to him. Uh, I think he did better than. To say, to say you play professional baseball is an accomplishment, and right? Double A level too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So surprising news, I guess, with LeBron James getting involved with the Fenway Sports Group, um, and then uh, the biggest news in college baseball happened yesterday, where Al Leiter's son Jack Leiter pitched a no hitter, and he's been phenomenal all season for Vanderbilt, as long with Kumar Rocker, and they're both draft eligible this year. Um, technically. Uh, Jack Leiter is still a sophomore, but because he's over the age of 21, then that makes him eligible for the Major League Baseball draft. Um, that's what I, I believe. Um, and right, because some people, there was that question, right? Like with the quote unquote COVID year, that's what they're calling him now, like a COVID sophomore or a COVID junior. Um, I, I wish they could come up with a better name. Uh, like, I just never want to hear that name. Like, COVID, like I guess we're going to have to say COVID junior or COVID senior the next three, four years until these guys graduate. It doesn't make sense, but uh, that's a conversation for another time. So I guess you can make the argument uh, that both of these two guys are draft eligible this year. And I think they're going to be rocking the draft uh, to start this season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Jack Leiter only helped himself out by throwing a no hitter against South Carolina. The SEC is one of the best conferences for all of baseball, as well as the big 12 and the ACC. And so, 
yeah, he's going to help his draft suck a lot. And uh, Rocker's been really good for um, Vanderbilt. But Vanderbilt has a lot of talent. You look at Dancy Swanson, you look at other guys that have been coming out of the University of Vanderbilt. And so that only helps their program and their coaching staff has done a great job. But besides Vanderbilt, you also got Arkansas. That's going to be really good, you know, and all these other teams in the SEC. And so, yeah, you can't just look at one star. You got to look at everything in the body of work and what type of person he is and the 20 through 80 skill that Gino tells us about. And so it's going to be very, it'll be different. I think this upcoming year because of the COVID sophomore, COVID junior, whatever you call it, because you don't, you don't want to be able to draft somebody, you know, that isn't ready for it, um, that situation. And so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I'm excited to just get into this topics, right. And start, we're going to see a, the most normal major league baseball draft. Um, and, and over two years, I think they're doing 20 rounds. I think that's the last I heard. Um, so it is what it is. I'm not a fan of 20 rounds. I wish it was 40. Um, but better than five, better than five, better than four, better than whatever. Right. So 20 rounds, I mean, that also doesn't factor in the free agents that sign after the draft. So there's, there's more opportunities than there were in 2020 way more obviously. And college baseball is going to be even better and better and better because guys are going to stay and guys right. that are in Juco ball are going to end up going to D ones mm -hmm. and the lower level D ones are going to be better. And so, you know, don't be surprised to see college world series. You see low level D ones doing something and being in that world series mm -hmm. because there's so much talent across the country and across the board. And you have to really pick out what are our weaknesses and what are our strengths and draft players that are at our weakness in our positions from an organizational perspective, say you don't have a third baseman, you need a third baseman. Like the Rangers, for instance, just lost Josh Young for two months mm -hmm. with surgery. And so that's going to set back their timetable for when he can come up, kid from Texas Tech. And so you have to look at different strengths and weaknesses within your organization and figure out who are we going to draft and why are we going to draft them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I – so it's going to be that domino effect all throughout the league. Um, so we had a lot of quick topics today. Again, not too much news out there. Um, and again, most of the stuff just happening today, right? The Salvi, uh, Witt, and Otani stuff all happened today. So uh, March Madness is happening. Some upsets. Are, is your bracket shot now with Illinois uh, out? Yeah, pretty much. So I actually picked Loyola Chicago to win there today. So... I'm still alive. I got Gonzaga winning it. Who did you have winning? Gonzaga. Oh, okay. So you're still technically in it. Yeah. My percentage level was like 16, okay, this morning, and it shot up to like 45 once um, once Illinois got eliminated. So I'm not completely out. Yeah, my left side of my bracket's good. The right side, not so much. But yeah, there's been some upsets. crazy upsets that I did not think about, you know, and for instance, like ACU beating Texas, that's a big deal because Abilene Christian is such a mm -hmm. small school in the state of Texas and they beat the school in Texas. And so, or, you know, you had North Texas beat Purdue or whoever. I know we're more of a baseball show, so we'll get back to that in a second. But, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how things happen. And it's been a really fun week. Yeah. Uh, March Madness kind of takes the um, headlines these next few weeks and then baseball kind of regains them because as soon as the March Madness champion is crowned, first pitch opening day right around the corner. 
Um, it's one of the best times of year to be a sports fan. Um, and we have a big show coming up. Do, do we want to name drop now? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we have probably, I mean, we've been really grateful to ha- be able to have had Tom House and Bob Costas on the show and Mike Caps, all three incredible, um, all three Hall of Famers in some way, shape, or form. Well, we have another one joining the show on Friday. Craig Biggio, one of the three killer bees. Um, and uh, I'm excited to just hear what Craig has to say, hear his story, and, and what makes him Craig Biggio. And we'll get into that with Craig on Friday. Uh, you all, you, you will all hear. Yeah, and talk about his son as well, Kevin, with the Toronto Blue yeah. Jays. And his other son works with MLB up in New York. And then his daughter's at Notre Dame. And so... Yeah, it'll be a good show. And we Big look baseball to family, keep... I guess, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And we look forward to having Craig on the show on Friday. Yeah, so uh, big week here for Bottom Line Baseball for Jackson. I'm Alex Hughes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and give us that five-star review on all the podcasting platforms, wherever you listen to them. And subscribe to us on our YouTube page and like for more content. But for Jackson, once again, I'm Alex Hughes. Have a great rest of your Monday, and we will be seeing you on Friday.